Father, our heart's desire this morning is that your name would receive all the glory and all the honor. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you are here in our midst. I thank you that you're here, Father God. You're there touching every heart. Lord, I thank you right now, God, for the mind of you to be able to release, God, what you've put in my heart for your people this morning. Father, I thank you right now, Father God, that you are the revealer and that you will give us understanding this morning concerning the truth of your word. So, God, I thank you for anointing every ear to hear. I thank you right now for touching every heart to receive. And, Lord, I thank you right now for your word, God, bearing forth fruit and bringing transformation in the lives of your people today and that you will be glorified and as a result they will be edified and encouraged in Jesus name amen well good morning good morning it is good to be with you to my abounding grace family worship center I say I love you um, I have missed seeing you but I am looking forward to seeing you next week for those that are in the area and on behalf of our um, our apostle and our prophet um, we welcome you to Abounding Grace Family Worship Center. My husband, my, our pastor, Sir Walter Scott, uh, the third, we say thank you for joining us. And we do not take it lightly that you joined in um, to receive of this stream. And so, um, again, my name is Patience Scott, and I have the privilege of being able to release what God put in my heart for you. And so uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Sir Walter was ministering on a Wednesday night. And as he was ministering, um, my mind and my eyes began to just, I had my Bible open. You know, many times we have our devices open, but it's nothing like having your Bible open and you're able to just read. And on that particular night, as he was reading, I was following along, the words just began to jump off of the page. And so I want to kind of just jump in here and I want to go take us back to um, that particular night. And so um, if you would turn with me to John chapter six, and we're going to start at verse 63. John chapter six, verse 63. And I'll talk about more about what I'm going to get into um, as we just read. And so verse 63 says, it is the spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit, whatever. There is no profit in it. The words, truths that I have been speaking to you are spirit and life. Now I'm reading out the Amplified Classic, verse 64. But still some of you fail to believe and trust and have faith. For Jesus knew from the first who did not believe and had no faith and who would betray him and be false to him. Now, as I'm reading that, I'm like, wow, Jesus, you already knew those who did not believe even in that moment. Verse 65. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him, unless he is enabled to do so by my father. Verse 66. After this, many of his disciples drew back, returned to their old associations and no longer accompany him. Verse 67, Jesus said to the 12, will you also go away? And do you too desire to leave me? Simon spoke up. Verse 68, Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words, the message of eternal life. 
and we have learned to believe and trust. And more, we have come to know surely that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. Now, as Pastor was reading, and I was reading along this passage, verse 69 jumped off the page to me. And I stopped after one, two, three, four, five, six words. And we have learned to believe. And we have learned to believe. So that let me know immediately my mind started just processing. Wow, there, this is a process. Learning to believe is a process. So then as any good student, right, we always go back and we read, well, what happened before all this took place? So as I turn my pages and begin to kind of scroll and peruse John chapter six, at the very beginning, it talks about how uh, Jesus performed the miracles where he fed the 5,000, right? With the two fish and, and, the, and the five loaves of bread, right? He, 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 he performed this miracle. And so when I got to verse uh, 26 of chapter six, and we're still in the book of John, it says, Jesus answered them, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you. You have been searching for me, not because you saw the miracles and signs, but because you were fed with the loaves and were filled and satisfied. Verse 27, stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes and the using that's working out of our flesh. But strive and work and produce rather for the lasting food, which endures continually unto life eternal. The son of man will give furnish you that for God, the father has authorized and certified him and put his seal of endorsement upon him. Verse 28, then, excuse me, they then said, what are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we to do to carry out what God requires? Verse 29, Jesus replied, this is the work, the service that God asked of you. What is the work? The work is that we believe in the one whom he has sent that you cleave to trust, rely on and have faith in his messenger. So when I think back to going back to verse 69, it says, and we have learned to believe, right? And we've been talking about for the last few weeks about the work, doing the works of God. Well, this is our first Job Here it is given to us to tell us what our function is as newborn believers, right? Once we come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we've been reborn. And part of our functioning, our wiring, the way that we work is by faith. And we have to believe, right? Because it even says that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so in verse uh, 29, he says, this is the work the service that God asks of you, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. 
that you cleave to, trust in, rely on, and have faith in his message. So when I look at verse 69, for we have learned to believe, I begin to think about when I first learned to drive. And Holy Spirit talks to me a lot when I'm driving, but I remember learning to drive and, you know, I was always so nervous. And whenever I would finish learning to, you know, have a session with my dad, my shoulders would hurt so bad because I would be so nervous and I would be like at the wheel like this. And then over time, I kind of learned how to, to relax and, and, and to set in. But as I was looking at this and it says, we have learned to believe, I immediately wrote this note in my Bible. I said, trusting doesn't just come. You have to consistently seek out him. So now learning to believe that ha that's a process. So then the thought came to my mind. I remember once I got my driver's license and, um, you know, I really hadn't done a lot of highway driving, but I was experienced enough that my parents allowed me to take my sister out to the outlets. And at that time, we didn't have any GPS. So my instructions, my directions, they were written on a piece of paper. And my dad said, Paige, get on 95. You're going to go here. You're going to hear. You'll see this. And then you'll see your exit. So I was writing down everything carefully. Well, as I began to drive, I noticed that, oh my goodness, I, I wasn't seeing all of the signs that he, that he had told me about or that I had written on my paper. And then it occurred to me, um, I immediately picked up the phone and he, and he said, patience, just because you don't see the signs yet, it doesn't mean that you're like on the wrong road. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get there. You just have to keep going. Immediately, Holy Spirit says, we got to stay the course. And so in the midst of our believing, we have to stay the course because right away, we're not going to see things uh, we're not going to see the sign, you know, the blessings, the, the favor, um, the benefits, they're pronounced in, our, in his word, but we might not see it over time. And I was reminded of this even in John chapter six, because even before we got to um, John uh, verse 63, where it says it's the spirit who gives life. Okay. Well, prior to that, and let me even jump back to the beginning of John chapter six, there were a lot of people following Jesus. They came as a result of the signs that they saw him do. And along their following, right? They were like, oh, this food is good. Oh, oh yeah, we didn't have to go buy bread. We got bread that day. We got fish from him that day. All right, let's go back and see what else he can do. But then Jesus ultimately began to share about, you know what? In order to truly walk with me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and you're going to have to drink my blood. And those those disciples and those that were following, they begin to, to, to take some type of offense. And then that's when they said, well, God, how can we, we truly do the work that you, you, you've called us to? And he said, the true work that you have to do in order to stay the course is you must believe. And so, oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So let me just slow my spirit down, Holy Spirit. And I want to walk with you about how we can stay the course. Okay, because immediately um, these disciples initially they saw him perform uh, where he turned water into wine. Right. They saw different miracles along the course of his ministry. But at some point they forgot 
And we find ourselves in that situation as well. I don't care how long you've been saved. There are times where your, your faith is just not activated. It's just not there at, the, at its heightened sense, right? There's times where we can allow doubt and unbelief to get in. So I want to um, give you five keys of how we can stay the course. And these are just five things that Holy Spirit just dropped in my spirit as a result of thinking about how the, uh, the disciples, they, they learned to believe, how they came to learn to believe and trust. So number one, how do we stay the course? We stay the course by one, keep looking forward. Now, if you go back with me to when I was driving in that car, all right? Yes, I'm driving, looking at the sheet of paper. I probably said to Joy, Joy, what's the next thing I'm supposed to be looking for, right? I'm looking forward, all right? One thing we have to do and stay in the course is you cannot dwell on what has happened in your past. You must keep looking forward. First of all, my pastor, I would remember him saying, Pastor uh, Bishop Daniel Robertson Jr., uh, my former pastor, he would say to us, it's hard to hit a moving target. And it took me a little while to understand that. But what he was saying was, you can't be hit if you're constantly moving, right? Um, my husband will always say, be aware of your surroundings. Keep your head on the swivel. Know what's going on. But if you're constantly moving, you don't have time to look at what didn't work right. You're constantly thinking about, okay, what's coming? What's ahead? What's my next step? What do I need to do? What do I need to do next? Um, I think about... Um, you know, the, the situations I've been in where I've had a, 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 a task given to me. And another instance that comes to my mind is when I first uh, was working at the Virginia Department of Education. I had never had a secretary before. I was used to doing things by myself, right? And so I was working on my first big project. And um, when I'm working on it, my secretary already told me, patience, when you get ready for the editing and the formatting or whatever, just give it to me. You just take care of the content. I'll take care of the rest. Well, I found myself taking care of the content, taking care of the editing, and trying to do the formatting. And I was frustrated, right? And so Holy Spirit reminded me, even through that, I could see her on the other side of that cubicle, kind of sitting there with her hands folded. And I imagine Jesus does the same thing. It's like he can't take anything that we're unwilling to give him. And so the past is behind you. You got to look forward and you got to be willing to give him what he can handle. And so as I'm looking at that, um, I think about how when I finally did that, a load was lifted off my shoulders. Then what did it do? It allowed me to be able to work on some other things so that I could still make progress even in the midst of that particular task that I was given. Another incident comes to my mind as far as it pertains to keep looking forward. When I played basketball, I was given a playbook at the beginning of the season. Now, granted, I hadn't played a game yet, but in this playbook had different offenses and different defenses. And what they were telling me, patients, is I want you to learn this information because if you learn this information, when you get presented with this situation or you see this type of man-to-man -man defense, this is a type of play that we want you to run. Okay, or if it's a zone um, defense, this is a type of play that we need to run. And I think about how God gives us his instructions before we ever get into the game of life. Right. He gives us his word where he'll tell us when our mind feels like it's, it's overwhelmed. He says, no, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He even tells us what to keep our thoughts 
on, right? In Philippians, I want you to keep your thoughts set. Um, think on those things that Philippians 4, it says things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. So it's the same thing. We have to take his word and we have to apply it with our, to our situation and our circumstances. And there's nothing in this book that he does not cover. There's nothing in his word that he is not mindful of. The Bible says that he is concerned about everything and wants to perfect everything that concerns us. So um, you just have to know and be encouraged even in this morning that Jesus has already overcome as our great high priest. There's nothing that he has not already encountered and gained victory in it, right? And through his death, and his resurrection, we received that authority when we came into the, uh, the, the newness of life and received him as our personal Lord and Savior. And now we can use his word as our weaponry to, def um, to overcome every obstacle that would try to come our way. All right. So number one, I want you to keep looking forward. Number two, you got to tune out distractions. When I was driving... You know, initially when Joy and I started driving along to the outlets, we were talking away. But then all of a sudden, when I became unsure of where I was going and if I was going the right way, my chatter, our chatter <laughs> came to a slow halt, right? That volume came down and it's the same thing when you're staying the course, all right? In order to stay the course, you have to remain in tune to the Father's voice so that you know who to give your attention to at all times. Think about in this particular passage, the disciples were now amongst all these other um, spectators, I'll call them, right? And while they're doing that and Jesus is giving instructions and he's talking about what you must do in order to work the miracles and to believe in the service that we have to do, now they're having to really know, wait a minute, Am I going to be starting to listen to the murmur and the chattering and the complaining that's going on around me? Am I going to start looking at the people who are now walking away from what they said at the beginning of the chapter was he is the one. He's, he's the one who gives everlasting life. He's the one who gives the miracles. This is the one we've been waiting for. And now they're, they have another decision that they, they choose to make. So it's in those times where we have to be able to know, Father, is this you or is this my flesh? Is this you or is this just a distraction? In Hebrews, it talks about how we have to lay aside every weight and the sin which so does easily beset us. That means laying, against, laying aside anything that would hinder us from being able to fully receive, fully embrace what God has for us. So that means that we need to bring our flesh under control. All right. So we want to tune out distractions. Number three, our posture is key. Or I'll say another word for posture. I'll say your position is key as you're staying the course. All right. And I again, liken it to me being in that car. My hands were on the wheel, right? I, I, I'm, I'm set in a position because I know I'm driving. So all my attention has to be, has to be there. Going back to when I think about playing basketball, I was a shooting guard, all right? There was a point guard, but then there was a shooting guard. And even though our, our roles, our positions were similar, they were also distinct as well. And so in my learning of this new playbook, I had to find out, patients, what is my position 
and what is my role that I need to do in order for all of us, right, to be able to stay the course, right? And in that situation, it was for us to be able to run the play so we could be successful, score a point, and ultimately win the game. Well, it's no different um, in life. We have to know the position that we've been called to do. And then also know the position that is needed for at that time. All right. There's situations where in a game I may not have needed to necessarily shoot, but my ability to set someone else up so that they could be in a better position to score that may have been needed for the time. Think about the gifts and the talents that God has given you. What is your role that you play? And you got to be willing to bring your A game every time you come. I think about us as a collective body, right? Every joint is supplying. Every one of you have been giving a gift. Well, we have to develop, we got to practice, we got to work that gift that we've been given so that when we come together as a corporate body, we can do even more damage for the kingdom of God. So when pastor gives us a word and says, hey team, this is the direction we're going. This is what we're believing for. We all get under, um, under that mission and we begin to exercise our individual gifts, knowing where we need to be at what time, whether it's either here, we're coming here to help serve, or we're over here um, praying for another sister or brother or we're here, I'm standing in the gap here. Whatever that role is, we need to know what it is. We need to know how to play it and then remain in that role. How many times did I hear my coach talking to another teammate to my left or to my right? And it was so easy to get caught up in what they were telling them and then have a tendency to almost want to do what they were supposed to do. But no. I got to stay in my lane and I have to do the assignment that God has given me to do. So our posture, knowing your position is key and believing what it is that he has called us to do. Number four, in order for us to stay the course, we have to have expectation. You have to maintain expectation. I know that when um, my daughter, uh, she was playing softball for the first time this season. And so anytime when it was time for them to be on defense and she's in the field, you know, whether she's playing the outfield, whether she's playing first base, wherever she was, I would always yell out to her and I would say, stay ready, stay ready. Be in that posture where you stay ready. And so she would look because she never knew whether a fly ball was coming or she needed to make a play or she needed to know if the ball came to her, where to throw it next, right? We have to be in that posture of expectation in order to stay the course because believing, learning to believe is a process. You don't just get there right away, right? Just because I ask God, Lord, um, this is what I'm believing you for. It may not come tomorrow. It may not come next week. But I'm in expectation that God, I believe that you're going to manifest what you said. Think about Abraham. He told me he's going to be the father of many nations. But then how much time had passed before he actually saw who? Isaac come to fruition. And if you take a step back, you see that his expectation waned because then he tried to do things in his flesh. Right. And there we come. We see the birth of Ishmael being born. All right. So we have to remain in a process in a posture of expectation, um, knowing that, Father, you're going to do what you said you're going to do. All right. And so in order to stay the course, you must remain in constant expectation to see, 
receive the manifestation for that which you're believing for. But expectation can only be developed as a result of a continual following, right? You think about the disciples. They had to stay the course. When he said, you'll eat of my flesh and you'll drink of my blood. This was a hard saying. The others started leaving, but then they said, no, we believe that you are, or we've come to learn that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So expectation is developed as a result of the belief, trust, becoming and develop into a knowing that God will do what he said. So I want to go back in before I give you the last key that I believe to stay in the course. I want to break down the word belief for us a little bit. All right. Because you can't have expectation without having belief in place. So belief to believe means to trust, to have faith in someone or something. And you think about um, belief, meaning like right now, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. All right. So this faith is coming. And sometimes this might be the first time you're hearing something. This might be the second, or you may have heard this before, but still faith is coming. All right. And so how we receive it, our posture to receive it is critical. Now, belief is an action. But before I can even get to this action, that faith coming comes to me as like an inspired thought. All right. So the words I'm receiving, it's an inspired thought. And then I begin to believe and my belief looks like action. All right. My belief looks like action. So I'm putting now my faith into work because what did James tell us? He said, faith without works is dead. All right. My, those works, what did Jesus tell us that our service is in the kingdom is to work, is to believe that's an action. All right. So belief elicits an action, a response. This inspired thought is our faith coming, which leads to an act, which produces revelation. So this is the progression that I just imagine when it says, and they learn to believe. First, it may have started as an inspired thought. Then it led to their action. That belief began, the more they heard it, that belief was going down into their heart. Then it produced an action. And that action produced revelation. So let me read this. Inspiration without revelation will not produce transformation. Inspiration, that means I just hear the word. Like today, you're hearing the word. But in order for me to really um, allow that word to take root and cause a belief that will produce an action, a work for me where I'm believing and then putting my faith in work, there's going, I have to get understanding of that. And the more I do it, that's where the revelation begins to, to unfold. And as a result of revelation unfolding and me acting on what I believe the word of God says it can do and what I can have, then transformation begins to occur. And I believe that's where God wants us, where we're in that transformation state where we don't look like where we started. I'm reminded in Romans 12, I told us to be not conformed 
to the world's way, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? That means that I just don't hear the word, but the, the word, it transforms the way I think. It transforms the way I do things. It transforms the way I interact with people. It transforms uh, my relationships. It transforms everything about me. Changes. So when our faith comes, that inspired word, we receive it in our heart and we take action upon it. I'm slowing down because I want to make sure you're getting this. And then that action is going to produce revelation. When you have understanding of something, you begin to do it just automatically. Once I knew how to run those plays, I didn't need to go back and look at the playbook. I didn't need to go back and ask my coach, was this the right thing to do? No, why? Because ultimately it began to transform the way I did things. I saw a scoring. I saw us working together. Same thing with the word of God. When he says, give and it shall be given. At first, that might have been a hard thing to do initially to give, Right. But the more I begin to practice that application of his word, then I begin to see the harvest and understand that, you know what, God, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, my goodness. You said you were you were right. You said you would cause men to give into my bosom when I chose to give, when I chose to obey in this area. It doesn't matter where you are. This we want to get to the point of having the inspired thought to transformation. All right. That's how we want to stay the course. And I think about uh, how that inspiration came to those disciples. And I'm talking now specifically about the 12 because they begin their obedience to follow Jesus, to stay the course. Brought them to what we see in John 14 and 12 where they begin as a result of their obedience to follow the word of God. Transformation took place. Now they are doing those greater works. Let's look at that. John 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12. It says, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do. What do you have to do first? He had to steadfastly believe in me and he will be do even greater things than these because I go to my father. So as a result, now the transformation that we have is that we're able to do the greater works. Why? Because we're doing the work of the father. And where did it start with believing? With believing. So that, um, so they were able to stay the course as a result of their believing in him. Now they're doing what he said they could do. And now it's even greater works, right? The Bible says we're his workmanship created, born anew to do those what? Good works that he already prearranged and made ready for us to walk in. These are the greater works. All right. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, I want to look at this because. If you remember in John chapter six, it talked about how they were initially doing the works of the flesh. And Holy Spirit reminded me about in Hebrews, uh, specifically uh, Hebrews chapter four. About how the Israelites, how they kind of. They, they, they wandered in the wilderness as a result of their unbelief. And this is what I don't want us to, 
to get to. We have to be able to stay the course. God has done some miraculous things in our lives and <coughs> excuse me, he's not finished yet, but we want to make sure that we do not find ourselves doing what those before us did. Okay. And in John, um, chap- let me start at chapter three, John chapter three. And I'll start um, chapter three, verse 18. It says, and to him did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who disobeyed, who had not listened to his word and who refused to be compliant or to be persuaded. Verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Look at this last part. Unbelief had shut them out. (coughs) Precious ones, let's not let unbelief be the reason why we do not get the manifestation of those things that he's already granted unto us. When you look at chapter four, verse one, it says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, let us be afraid to distrust it. Lest any of us should think that he has come too late and has come too short of reaching it. I don't care where you are right now. God is a faithful God. He's also a merciful God today is a good day to start believing and to enter into this rest. You know, typically when you think about when we hear the word work, you think about labor, all right? But this work that God wants us to enter into of believing, he really wants us to be a state of rest. Verse two, for indeed we have had the glad tidings, the gospel of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old did, when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith. What is faith? The leaning of the entire personality on God and absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and goodness by those who heard it. Neither were they united in faith with the ones, here's our leaders, Joshua and Caleb, who heard and who did believe. This scripture has so many keys in it because one, whenever we are positioning ourselves to hear the word of God, whether it's preached to us, whether we're receiving it or uh, reading it on our own time, you have to make sure I cannot just read the Bible without mixing my faith with it. Remember back in John 66, uh, verse 63, he says, it's the spirit that gives life, right? He says, the words that I give to you, they are spirit and life. And so that means that I have to mix my faith with my spirit man to receive that this is what God wants to say to me. 
So when pastor, because it talks about Joshua and Caleb, they were the leaders. They were preaching this good news, but it fell on deaf ears. It was looking for a landing place of faith. It was looking for a place where they could unite and say, okay, I'm just looking for a source, another source of belief to, to connect with. And so that we can do this work together. But it didn't benefit them. And so then I see in verse three, it says, but for we who have believed, adhered to and trusted in and relied on God, we enter that rest in accordance with his declaration that those who did not believe should not enter when he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this he said, although his works had been completed and prepared and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. God is waiting for us because it's already been done. He is waiting for us to take this work seriously. And it's not anything that we have to strive for, but he says today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. I just need you to believe. I just need you to disassociate with everything in your past, everything that has been familiar with you. And I need you to completely surrender. I need you to completely give me your all. Give me your complete yes. You know, I think about how that there's some parts where, yep, we're all doing good. I believe him. Um, I believe that. Yes, I believe that God can heal my body. Mm -hmm. Yes, I believe that God um, can provide, um, you know, food for my house. I believe that God can open the door to provide a job for me. Yes, I believe this. But then some areas such as, I don't know, say relationships. Now, God, I don't, I don't believe that you can bring me into the right people. Or I don't believe that you can really, um, you know, have me live the single sanctified lifestyle that pleases you. Um, I think, no, I think I need to still test the waters over here in, in this particular area, but I'm going to believe you on this side. No, 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 no. He wants our full he wants our full yes. He wants us to be all in. And so, and this is, again, this is a process. So if this is you where you say, um, Pastor Patience, I've been doing good in these areas, but when I get over here, it's okay. You're still in the process of learning to believe, but at first you got to surrender and say, I'm willing to go your way. I remember being unmarried. I remember doing one thing here and dating guys that were, um, had one foot in the church and one foot out of the church. I remember, um, doing things, um, with my temple that I should not have been doing. And then I also remember when I was like, Oh, wait a minute, God, let me get back to what your word says that my body is the temple of the Holy ghost. And I want to glorify you in my body. I also want to make sure that I am not unequally yoked with anything that would hinder me from being able to fully go after you and everything that I say and do. I was along this journey, not knowing that if I just continue to stay the course, God had already completed the work. He already had my husband and it was, I'll say it like this. He was just a couple exits away. I just had to stay the course. And it was, it seemed just like that. 
I can remember in November of 2002, talking with my mom and like, will I ever get married? Uh, you know, God, I've been doing this for you. And at that point, cause at that point it was seven years. I wasn't dating anybody. I was locked in. I was zoned in that God, I'm going to do this your way. And I'm telling you on that seventh year, it was like everything in me. It was just yet holding on. And I was starting to get a little weary. And I remember saying, mommy, Am I ever going to get married? And she says, like every good mother would say, yes, patience, you're going to get married. And that was in November. Do you know in January 2003, I met my husband to be? He was just a couple exits away. But what the enemy was trying to do, he was trying to get me to cast away my confidence in this word, to get me to not believe, to not stay the course. And what God had already said I could have. So I want to encourage you. Don't give up. Do not throw in the towel. God has more for you. Stay the course. But I do that by resting. By resting. I'm going to jump to um, Hebrews in four, but I'm going to just go down to verse 11. It says, let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves, that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. That will not be said of us. Verse 12, for the word that God speaks, that word is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit and of the joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. What it's telling us is that word is able to come in, clean house, and do whatever it needs to put you back on the right track. It exposes and sifts and analyzes and judges the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. I want you to judge right now. Where are you in your belief system? Cause you're not, if you're in that, that, that shadow of unbelief, you're not in the right posture to be able to effectively work the works that he's called us to do. I was listening to an interview by CC Winans and, um, she began to talk about doubt and she gave a, a just a, a a short i guess definition of doubt and that thing just hit me it says doubt she says doubt is when you forget what god has already done i don't want you to forget what god has already done in your life i don't want you to cast away your confidence this is why testimonies are so important. This is why coming to church is so important so that your spirit man can be energized because sometimes when we're in the, the muck of just our stuff, we have a tendency to think that this is all there is. When God says, I have so much more for you. I want you to hear what I just did for your sister. I want you to hear what I just did for your brother so that you can know that if I did it here and you're in this area, I'm, I, I, as they would say, he's in the neighborhood, right? It, it, it's possible for me. 
And that's how I would look at it. I would look at other couples that were, that were thriving in marriage and say, God, that's what I want. That's what I want. God, I thank you. This, this is what I can have. Yes. I thank you, Lord. I want to be able to have a family like that, that looks like you, that represents you. This is what I can have. What? But I didn't just get that. I saw a living example. And now that belief, because of what I saw, do you know somebody is looking at you? Because right now that belief system may not be rooted in their heart like it should be. But you, your consistent example, you staying the course is beginning to plant a seed that, hey, this God thing, it is possible. I can do this. This leads me to my last key of staying the course. You got to refuse to give up. And that you got to know whether or not you need to stop and get help. When I was driving to the mall, I had sense enough to know that when I didn't see what I thought I was supposed to be seeing, I called, right? I called on someone who could give me help, who could give me direction to let me know that patience, you're heading in the right direction, but you just got to keep going. All right. You want to seek counsel. The Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there's what? There's safety. And you're going to get to where God has you to go. But we have to go back to what he said in John. John chapter six. This is the place where he wants us to be. Verse 69, the disciple says, and we have learned to believe and trust. And more, this is the more over part he wants us to get to. And more, we have come to know. God wants to bring us to a place of knowing. You know, the disciples, they made a decision that, you know what, even though this is a hard saying of us eating of your flesh and drinking of your blood, we're still going to believe you. We're still going to move forward. We're still going to trust you. Why? Because we saw you do this. We saw you do that. We saw you do this. And we're going to stay the course. And as a result, now we know. We've come to know surely that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. My prayer for you today is that you would have an infusion of strength in your inner man to believe and take God at His word. Bible says all you need is the faith of a mustard seed. Just a tiny faith of a mustard seed and you will. That, that, that seed has the capability of moving mountains. But you have to keep that belief system intact. You got to protect it at all cost. Jesus said in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never relax my hold upon you. So if you found yourself in unbelief in any area, guess what? You can ask him for forgiveness. Father, 
Who, who was that? Who, what disciple was that who said, God, Father, help my unbelief. I can say that. There was a situation that arose this past week. I got a phone call about a situation, and immediately the enemy started bringing all kinds of thoughts of doubt and unbelief, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and they were not good things. And I found myself trying to pray, but guess what? Fear was creeping in. And then I realized, wait a minute, I've been born of God. The Bible says this is the victory that we have, even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes. So I looked at the floor. I said, devil, you've already lost and I already have the victory. And then it was like something inside of me just went off and I began to go after it and I began to command that situation and things to change. And in a moment of time, I received a call that everything had been resolved. What was I doing? I was taking that weaponry of belief and I was beginning to work it. That's what he does for us. God gives us his word so that we are prepared in every stage of life to be able to know what to do when we're presented with different situations and to ultimately know if we stay the course, we are going to see victory. So if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, today is a good day. I don't care what has happened in the past. I don't care what has gone wrong. I don't care who you lost. I don't care what you lost. Father God is a restorer and he just wants you to trust him. And this time you're not going to trust him and you're doing. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he's the one who directs your path, but it's got to be in all your ways. And so today I'm giving you the opportunity to surrender your life to the best coach, to the best father who knows how to take care of everything that you will ever need, who knows how to love you the way that only you can be loved because he created you. And so I invite you to take part in this new journey and just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I thank you for your willingness to die on the cross for me. And because of your sacrifice, I can walk in total freedom. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. If you said that, welcome to the family. You are now born again. You now have the opportunity to start exercising that seed of believing on his word. So you can get to the point where you learn Jesus, you learn to believe him, you trust him, and even all the more you'll get to the place of knowing that nobody can do it like you, Jesus. I tried this on my own, but it's so much better doing it with you. So I encourage you all, stay the course. He's already given us everything that we need to be able to, um, to thrive 
It's time to run. It's time to thrive. But we're going to do, we're going to run uh, knowing that we have the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Here's the other thing. Salvation is just the first step. Okay? Salvation is the first step. It's like getting up at bat. All right? You hit the, you hit the ball, you get on first, first, first base. But then God says, I, I have even more for you. I have the gift of the Holy Spirit who will be in you, who will dwell in you. And guess what he does? He will remind you of the things that I have told you or he'll tell you the things that I need you to know. And so if you've never asked or you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, that means that he gives you the ability, the power to speak in other tongues. If you've never received that power, I want you to lift your hands. Because you've received Jesus Christ into your heart, now it's open to receive the gift. And this is a free gift. The Holy Spirit comes to build us up. The Bible says that when we pray in the Holy Spirit, that it, it, it builds up our faith. That's what it does. It builds up our faith. He calls it in Jude uh, 1 verse 20, a most holy faith. And we begin to speak in an unknown language that the enemy cannot even comprehend. He can't, he can't, he can't interrupt this signal when I'm speaking in other tongues that the Father has given me. And so, Father, I thank you for those that desire to be filled with your precious Holy Spirit. Father, you said that out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Lord, you also gave us this free gift of your Holy Spirit, which is, enables us, which gives us power to be your witness. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you will touch their tongue and that you will begin to speak through their mouth. So right now, if you're at home, wherever you are, you need to begin to yield your tongue to what comes out. My, my language sounds different. Matter of fact, everybody's language is because it's a heavenly language that God gives each and every believer, believer. So, Father, I thank you right now for touching them. I thank you right now for them speaking, God. You said you give them the power. You give them this free gift. And so, God, I thank you right now for the grace for them to receive this gift that you've given them through your precious Holy Spirit. And as you begin to speak, that's a new muscle that you're going to begin to exercise. And the more you do it, you'll find yourself. The Bible says that even when we don't know what to pray, we can pray in the Holy Ghost and we're praying the perfect will of God. We're hitting the bullseye in the spirit. We're hitting the target every time when we pray in the Holy Ghost. And that's what we need to help even build up our faith. So even with that, I want to encourage you and those that you have a prayer language to use it all the more. That's where our power is. God gives wisdom. He gives understanding. Oh, Holy Spirit is so good. Oh, wow. So many different examples are coming to my mind. I mean, I, just even this past week, I woke up and I was just really anxious about a lot of different things. All of a sudden, all these different thoughts started coming to my mind. And I started thinking, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And it was still early on. So my husband was still there in the bed. And initially, my flesh would have been to turn him over and say, hey, what about but I begin to just 
worship God. And as I was worshiping him, you know, I felt it kind of lifting. And then, you know, we, you know, did our exchange and said good morning and everything. And I just said, hon, will you pray over us? And he kind of paused, but then this was his prayer. He began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And as he began to pray in the Holy Ghost, I chimed in. And I promise you, what was on me felt like it was just... And before I knew it, we were ascending. We were begin to pray. We begin just to declare. We just begin to praise God about different situations. That's the power of his word. But what did I have to do? I had to believe. That's what helped me stay the course. That actually set the course for that particular day. We already had the victory. You already had the victory. And I'm encouraging you to stay the course. No matter where you are, I don't care how long. Bible in James says, let patience have our perfect work so that you will be thorough and complete, lacking no good thing. I pray that what I have shared has found a landing place in your heart and that you're going to be able to take something that I've said and to be able to apply it in your daily walk this week, right? Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but we got to put those work, that belief system in action so that we can produce the manifestation which will lead to transformation in our lives and the lives of those that we impact. So God bless you, and I pray that you were encouraged by today. And I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.